Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Sparky's Midday Madness here. The Admiral season, unfortunately, over after they lost on Friday night. But still, good run. Got into the second round of the playoffs and lose to the hated Chicago Wolves on Friday night on my birthday. That was uh, rather unfortunate. Coming up on today's show, Matt LaFleur. OTAs are going on. We'll have your chance to hear from Matt LaFleur uh, coming up uh, in probably the next segment of the show, I think. And we'll hear from Tim Dillard as well, as we always like to play that back on Tuesdays during Sparky's Midday Madness. Uh, and then Rami Makloff uh, will join us getting ready for his show coming up at 3 o'clock. Don't forget, after the last pitch, you make the switch tonight. Brewers and Cubs. Tim Allen here one more time coming up this evening. Gene Weiner Plumbing Baseball Postgame Show presented to you by Jim Dandies. All right, so I was off on Friday, and then I was off uh, again on Memorial Day yesterday, thanks to Toby Altizer for filling in on both of those shows. Very nice of him. And AR, of course, worked both as well. So uh, Friday was my birthday, so I I took off, uh, and we went and saw the movie Top Gun Maverick, um, which was simply um, amazing, Uh, highly recommended. I haven't seen many people... Uh, say anything bad about it on Twitter uh, since I've seen it. Uh, really, really well done. Like they did a great job of tying the original movie in to uh, the sequel of the movie. It took forever to get made and so forth. Um, and I've already seen talk of a third one possibly coming uh, as well. They're already having conversations because of how well this one is doing at the box office the first weekend. And they could... To be honest with you, after the, this one ends, like there's a million different ways you could go. This could be one of those series that go on forever and ever and ever based on all the new young actors that are in it and the roles that they played and different angles you could take with it. And it could be really, really good. But either way. So I, I thought that was uh, rather amazing. So that was Friday. Uh, we did that. Uh, and that was a, a lot of fun. Uh, and then Saturday uh, had the opportunity uh, to go see the Eric Church concert. That was at American Family Field. Now, I have never seen a concert at Miller Park, American Family Field, whatever you want to call it. I've never been to a concert there uh, as far as like this. Now, I know Billy Joel and Elton John did concerts there back in the day. um, And there's been some pretty big name acts that have played there. Never done a stadium concert. So I was anxious. I had seen Eric Church, who's a country singer. And even if you're not an Eric Church fan, don't turn the time. Don't 
turn the channel. This has nothing to do with Eric Church necessarily, uh, the artist. So I'd seen Eric Church uh, the last time he was at Pfizer Forum. And we went and we were had upper deck seats, but they were more than good enough. We'd pay like 25 bucks, I think, for them or whatever. Uh, and it was a great show. It played for three hours straight. It was amazing, right? Uh, and it was awesome. Now, at that show, uh, he didn't have an opener. It was just him. There was no opener. So he came out, did the whole thing. I don't think they had an opener for Eric Church that that night, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but either way. So then at American uh, Family Field on Saturday night, they had two different people uh, opening for him, right? They had a solo artist, and then they had a, a group, uh, Osborne Brothers, or Brother Osborne, I should say, Brother Osborne, uh, before Eric Church. And then between each act, there was like, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes. Well, Brother Osborne got done at like 9 o'clock. So then it was a 45-minute gap. And mind you, this whole thing started at 7. So then there was a 45-minute gap between Brother Osborne and Eric Church starting. So from 9 to like 9.45. Now, curfew for anybody that plays around here is midnight, right? Whether you're inside or outside, I think the curfew is midnight regardless. So everybody, well, most people assume that this thing was going to be done at midnight with Eric Church performing. So going in, you're like, okay, so you're going to get two hours and 15 minutes of Eric Church singing. And the dude really doesn't take breaks per se. It's just one song after another, talks a little bit, another song. So we're watching Eric Church. And seats, loads level, first row. So, you know, Girls pregnant, so didn't want anybody standing up and sitting down, standing up and sitting down in front of us. So that way we could pretty much sit the whole concert. Um, didn't have to stand up necessarily, so it was perfect. Um, and so relatively good seats. And we're watching the show and really enjoying the show and the whole deal. And I'm taking a bunch of pictures. By 11.30, because again, we're in the lows level, so I can see pretty much everything I can see down on the grass and the, the stage was set up in the center field. Right. And then you had all your, your pit seating or whatever around the stage. And then they had rows of seating coming back towards the infield and people are leaving at like 1130 half hour before the concert was going to be over. And it wasn't like he said, ah, it's done. And then came back for an encore. No. That was not the case. He was playing. People got up and were leaving a half hour before the thing was over. And I would sit there going, why is everybody leaving? Like, first of all, a lot of those tickets were not cheap to begin with. So you paid a pretty penny to leave 30 minutes early from a concert. Like, that just seems crazy to me. So I, I, I want to know this right now. You can tweet it at us. You can call it. What's the earliest you've ever left a concert? In your life, the earliest you've ever got up and walked out of a concert, and I want to know the reason as well, please, if you can provide one, right? Oh, my wife went into labor, had to go. Okay, I get it. That's fine. I just want to know the reason why you would leave a, a concert that, I mean, 30 minutes, that is early for the headliner. Unless, now again, the only reason I can come up with in my brain that literally just popped in my head is they came for Brother Osborne. And didn't really care about Eric Church all that much and got out once it was done. So maybe you came for the second act. You know, you like the second act better than you like the third act. You stuck out for the third act a little bit and you said, all right, that's good. I've been here since six, seven o'clock, whatever. I'm out of here. 
414-799-1250. Tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. I have never in my life walked out of a concert early. Ever. And if I was going to walk out of a concert early, it would have been that concert Saturday night if she said, hey, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm not feeling well. Like, we got to go. Then, fine. Right? She's pregnant. Seven months pregnant, whatever. We got to go. Fine. I, okay. There were not a bunch of seven-month, eight, nine-month pregnant women walking around down there that all got up and walked out of that concert a half hour early. What's your earliest you've ever left a concert? That's all I want to know. Simple. Real nice and quick. Tweet us at 1250 AM The Fan or dial it up 414-799-1250. You can uh, also, uh, when you tweet us, I want to know the reason. So don't just tweet me or tweet at 1250 AM The Fan and then not give us a reason as far as why you left early. That's what I'd like to know. Okay. Uh, have you ever left a concert early, AR? And uh, how many concerts have you been to? Have you been to a lot? Are you a big music guy? Big, big music See, guy. See, I'm not a big music guy. Like, I've never went to a concert inside Marcus Amphitheater down at Summerfest. Never done it. Never, not once. No, no interest. Uh, side stages at Summerfest, I'll come and hang out or whatever else because it's free and kind of watch. But as far as like paying for concerts, I've probably been to maybe like 10 in my life, maybe. That's eight or crazy 10. to me. Like that's that, that, absolutely that's, insane to that's me. That's it. And I'm 46 now. So maybe eight or 10. Maybe. That might be too much, to be honest with you. I may not have even been to eight or 10. So you, how many, you've been to more than that? Hundreds. 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 And even like since uh, COVID, I've still thankfully been able to go to a lot of outdoor shows and even some indoors with safety protocols in place, blah, 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 blah. As soon as the uh, venues around here were like, hey, we're doing shows again, I was eyeing up those schedules, looking for shows that are coming to the area because I love a good concert. My first concert ever was when I was nine years old, Boston, the classic rock band, was playing at the Oneida Casino in Green Bay. My dad took myself and the whole family to see them, and I got lucky to see Brad Delp before he unfortunately took his own life a few years later. So that was amazing. To answer your question, though, the earliest I've ever left a concert, I think it's uh, a tie. Actually, there's two instances. The first one was in 2011. Blink-182 and My Chemical Romance were playing at the amphitheater sure. on their uh, Honda Civic Tour. Okay. And My Chemical Romance was first, and they were amazing. Fantastic performance. Did a great job. Blink-182 took the stage, and now you have to understand that at the time, I'm about to turn 18, and I was a huge Blink-182 fanboy. I'll even call a fanboy, not just a fan. I like knew everything about them. I knew all their songs. Oh I was goodness. so excited. This was my high school girlfriend's birthday present for my 18th birthday. Oh, they nice. They were good seats. Right. And we, the Blink-182 took the stage. Tom starts singing, and almost immediately, we both go, Ugh, this sounds horrible. Oh, the Blink One Eighty Two or the is, audio. Blink One Eighty Two is one of those bands that can sound amazing in a studio, and then you see them live and you hear them, and it is not like their studio albums. Now I understand, you know, if you're going to see a show, you're not going to see perfection unless you're like into like those classic rock bands that play twenty minute songs. But it was so bad. I was like, man, it's late. It was already at that point, I think, 11.30. I had school the next day. So we left, went back to Fond du Lac, and that was maybe about 20 minutes into their set. 
Then about four years ago, I was at a show at the Rave. Red Sun Rising was playing as an opener, and Stone Sour was the headlining act uh, down in the basement. I was there for Red Sun Rising, and they killed it. They were awesome. They are unfortunately no longer together, but uh, the lead singer's doing something different. Great group. Awesome show. Stone Sour takes... Can I talk? Stone Sour takes the stage. Mm, I'm bored. There's no energy coming from them at all. Even some of their fans who were there for them were like, is something off tonight? There's just no interest. So you going left, to the motion. So when you've left in most situations, it was because they just weren't good or there was an audio problem or something along those lines. Exactly. You and didn't like, leave to beat traffic. No. Because I feel like that's what happened Saturday night was that people left to beat traffic. People didn't want to sit in the American Family Field parking lot uh, and wait to get out. And to those of you that left, thank you very much because it made it a lot easier for us uh, to get out when the actual show was was done at midnight. But I've never seen that before where people just get up and leave. Now, listen, you know, if somebody's playing three, four hours and it's a weeknight, you've got work the next morning, whatever, fine. Okay, I guess I'll kind of get down with that. But, man, it is Memorial Day weekend. It's a Saturday night. A bunch of people, I'm sure, were there tailgating from God knows what time. The other thing that was interesting about that show Saturday night was they had the roof open the entire time. Like, they never shut the roof uh, to it. And I thought for sure they would because it was in the low 60s, high 50s, I want to say Saturday night. And they left that roof open the whole time. So, you know, there's girls walking around, their little dresses and everything else. They had to be absolutely freezing by the time that concert was done. And sweatshirts, they sold out of sweatshirts quick. Like, we went up to get a sweatshirt. And everybody was buying sweatshirts because everybody was cold. So everyone was buying Eric Church sweatshirts and putting them on. Then on the second level where I was, they're like, oh, come back in 30 minutes. We may get some from upstairs. Okay. So then we go back later and they had 2XL. That's that's not going to fit. And then later after that, we went to another one. They had like 3XL or something like that. Uh, but yeah, crazy. All right. So uh, was there ever a concert that you left early? How early? And what was the reason? Chris in Cedarburg, you're up on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. What's up, Chris? Hey, good afternoon, Sparky. Hey, lo- love your show. Love the shows that you're on. Um, concerts are right down my alley. Live music's the passion. I've seen, I'm an older guy, so I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows, Alpine Valley, et cetera, uh, Red Rocks. But um, just this past March, first concert I left early was due to the fact I got a Kind of a frantic call that my daughter was flying back from Colorado and she needed a ride home from uh, from Mitchell Field. So I drove from Matt Sylvie, left about an hour early to pick her up at the airport, and uh, up there, etc. But it, you know what? It was worth it. I needed to pick up my daughter. It's great to see her. I hadn't seen her in a while. But, did you um, make her aware? The, what, what did you make her aware? What you sacrificed to come pick her up from the airport? Oh, of course. She's my oldest. <laughs> I've sacrificed a lot. So she knew. And, of course, my friends told me the couple of songs I wanted to hear of Billy Strings. Of course, he played it after I left. Of course. It's Murphy's Law. Yeah. But uh, it's okay. It's well worth it. I'm going to be. Oh, we lost. Other concerts this summer. So. What other concerts are you got tickets? To pay. Chris, where else? What other concerts are you going to see? Oh, I've gone to I've gone to Alpine Valley to see anyone from the Eagles back in the day to Dave Matthews. Oh yeah, uh, Grateful Dead for years, Fish. You know those those types of jam bands. But I'm really into bluegrass. I like Billy Springs and Billy Strings and like 
a band called Camp, which is my kids have turned me on to. So I'm starting to enjoy some of the music with my older daughters now instead of going and partying like a crazy bluegrass? man in the past. Bluegrass, you said? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a jam bluegrass. Yeah, I know what. Yeah, I know what it is. Chris, thanks for the call. I got to say, when I worked um, at one point when I was out of high school and I was going to college and working multiple jobs and working in radio and all this, in the summers, I would work as a um, uh, summer seasonal job for the Kenosha Parks Department. Okay. So we would like move picnic tables, set up stages for like Colorama and stuff like that down in Kenosha and whatever else. And there was a guy that I worked with back then, Jerry Pace, uh, who was in a bluegrass band and loved bluegrass, or whatever. And I would go see said dude play bluegrass. And I haven't heard anybody talk about bluegrass since that moment in time when I worked with him and he was in a bluegrass band. And it was pretty cool. Like, it's foot tapping type music, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, that's wild, man. I heard people talk a lot about it when Mumford & Sons started getting sure. popular and people were saying, is this really bluegrass or not? Right. And they've gotten definitely a lot poppier over the years. But yeah, when they start getting popular, I heard a lot of people being like, this is bluegrass and I like it. What? Right. So you got some tweets coming in at 1250 AM in the fam? Yes, I do. Let's see. Uh, Chuck, big Avs fan. Shout out Colorado Avs in the Western Conference Finals. Tweets at Big Show Network have seen Skillet multiple oh, times. Yeah. I do like their music, but have left early because they get really preachy. Uh, they are a Christian-leaning band. And I will say I have seen Skillet also I multiple times. State Fair this year, maybe? I believe they are. I think they yes. are at State Fair this year, yeah. Yeah, they were doing a tour with Breaking Benjamin. Uh, they came to Lacrosse to the Lacrosse Center about four years ago. And I don't I don't know if they're super preachy. They do they do make mention of it right. from time to time. So I, I okay. get it. That's fine. Tim tweets at uh not Big Show Network, twelve fifty AM the fan. Remember a game that Jeff Supon was pitching at home, got to my seat in the second inning, was out of the stadium by the fourth. Well, that's a game. That's that's a little bit different. But even you know what? Even from that perspective, I've never left a game that early. Like I, I've left games in like the eighth inning or whatever. I've left games early, like when uh, my six-year-old was younger. I mean, you take a younger kid to a game; he's not going to be sitting there for three hours, right? So, no. in those instances, you got to decide. Okay, I've had enough. Everybody around me's had enough. Let's go. And then you pick up and you go. So there are those instances, but I don't think I've ever bailed on a team because it was a blowout or getting blown out. I get the Jeff Supon thing, though. God knows I was I was at enough of those damn games. I feel like that was a joke yes. in the making. No, I'll... probably not. That uh, Sue pitched great. Okay, go ahead. Wayne tweets at twelve fifty a.m. The fan. I once left a Pat Benatar concert, comma, well, almost everyone did right at the start. She decided what? she was not going to play her hits. She wanted to play some new songs. When our, I, I, I know it's a little touchy for fans when the artists want to push the new songs. So listen here. This is the thing. If you're going to do that, you don't announce that. So if Pat Benatar said, hey, uh, I, I know y'all are here. Hear my stuff from five, ten years ago. Not playing them. Go play stuff off my new album. You're done because everybody's going to leave, right? I mean, that's like this Eric Church concert I was just at. He played stuff from going all the way back. He played one song that he played at Pfizer Forum that it's not even released. The song's not never even been released. He's never released the song. He's never recorded it. But he sang it for the first time, I want to say, at Pfizer Forum, the last time, the show that went on forever. 
Uh, and then in this this time he was here, he said, I've only sang it in Milwaukee, and I'm going to make it a tradition. I'm going to sing it here again. And then he sang the song again. It's a good song. I don't know why he won't release it, but either exactly. way. Exactly. That's like if we started the big show, and we started the very first minute of the show, he said, all right, so we're going to talk about this, and we're gonna then we're going to talk about this. Then we're going to talk about this. And we did like every segment of the show, and we laid it out. People would tune out if they knew that we weren't going to hit on A, B, or C. Correct. That's why you don't do that exactly. for an artist either. Right. No, it's the exact same thing. And I think, like I said, I think it's different for sports than it is for a concert to me. Because sports, there's so many more games. For a concert, more than likely, you're seeing that person one time that year. I mean, maybe you're making a drive to Chicago to see him a second time or something. But more than likely, it's one time. Like Even the Packers give you eight opportunities, nine opportunities to go see them uh, throughout the course of a football season. Each year, you get the same opportunity to go see that football team. There's no guarantee that that artist is coming back to your town the following year or two years after that or three years after that. I mean, when the Bradley Center was here, we never got any of these guys to come here. Pfizer Forum has allowed us the opportunity to get some more of these artists. And then you get a stadium tour. Church was talking about uh, the fact that when they released their tour dates, people in Milwaukee were hot. Like, dude, you're not coming to Milwaukee on your tour? What's that all about? And he said, just hold on, hold on, hold on. Just wait a second. Um, and then he announced the stadium deal. And I believe this is only the second stadium that he'd ever played a concert in. And you could tell. Like, you could literally see him mouth the words, oh, my God, as he was looking around at the crowd and stuff. And he literally said, well, I'm just taking this all in. It was a cool experience. That's why I don't understand. If you people left because you were trying to beat the the, the crowd, like, I don't I don't. Maybe at some point, as I get older, I mean, I'm 46. So when you get to your 60s, do you start doing that more than when you do in your 40s? I don't know. It's first of all, it wasn't even like sold off from the aspect of all the seats were filled because the stage was in center field. So like the bleachers, none of those could be sold. None of them. I saw people out at that restaurant. Uh, what's it called? Uh, restaurant to be named later. Yeah. People out on those tables outside, but they were like parallel to like the stage i can't imagine they saw anything like i they were out there before it started so i don't know if they were out there and then they were out once the concert started they might may have been what happened but they definitely couldn't see anything from where they were sitting brad and racine you're next on sparky's midday madness presented to you by the milwaukee admirals what's up brad thanks sparky yeah about 10 12 years ago we were all in our early 60s okay we were all big fans of blues guitars so four of us went out to the broad stop in kenosha been there many a time saw many many things there yep yeah, to see Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Nice. Yeah, we, we, we bought our tickets ahead of time, and we, we didn't know when he was going to start or when the if there were going to be bands in front of him. So we got there early because we knew, having been to the Broadstop on occasion, not for music, that in the room where the concert was going to be, that there are tables and chairs around the edge of it. We wanted to make sure we had a table and chair around the edge of it so we could sit to watch the concert because we didn't know how many hours we were going to there uh, have to wait for them. Right. We got in line just before they open, and the, we're looking at the employees inside, and they're moving all the tables and chairs out of the venue. And we said to the ticket taker, are they taking everything to sit out of this room? And she said, yeah, it's standing room the whole night. Yep, that's what it was for a lot of their concerts there. I saw and Dixie we, Chicks we, there and some other ones that were there because back in the day, Tim Allen, people may not know this, who does our post game show, Brewers post game show for the last 17 years, he was the boss at uh, Extreme Country 
uh, 104.7 down in Kenosha. So he would bring in national recording country artists when they were earlier in their career, and they would have concerts at the Broad Stop all the time. So I would always end up going over to those concerts with him when they were having concerts. And I'm pretty sure almost every time I went, those tables got pulled out of that area by in front of that stage, and he had to stand the whole night. Yeah, we're we're not young guys, right? Right. So we're, we're we're like, oh my God, I, I'm not. When does Kenny Wayne come on? And they said there's three or four bands before him, and he's not starting till ten. Yep. And this is at six thirty in the evening. Yep. So we sold two of us sold our tickets to the people standing behind us. Yeah, that yeah. And, and they left. don't. And then the other couple that were going to come, they, my buddy, he was a salesman at Colders in Oak Creek. Yep. And um, uh, he came at seven, and we told him we sold our tickets. You can go in. He went in with his girlfriend, and he said it was absolute hellacious to stay there for three bands. They left two songs into Kenny Wayne Shepherd because his girlfriend said, I can't stand or sit on this floor anymore. Take me out of here. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tough. Thanks for the call, Brett. And that is, that's not just there. That's a lot of venues do that. The rave, doesn't, isn't the rave the same thing? How so? As far as you're standing the whole time, oh yeah, they're, that's well, what the rave well, is for the uh, most part, right? They do have in the ballroom where they get like the big shows. Yeah, um, they do have balcony seating. But, so there is balcony. But seating. on the floor, you're standing. Yes, on the floor, on the ra- in the rave hall, I think they might have balcony seating I've there too. I've been there twice for concerts, and the basement and is all times. standing. Yeah, I've stood both times. Every time I've gone there, well, I've only been there twice, but uh, yeah. So very, but yeah, th- that. Because the reason they do that, they can put more. They can put more people in there. If you limit it just to tables, you can't sell as many tickets, and you have to pay the artists that come so much money. So now you have to get your money back. In order to get your money back, you have to sell X number of tickets in order to make it work. So, in one sense, it feels like it's age discrimination because older people can't stand that long and deal with this. Um, but it's really not age discrimination. It has more to do with the fact of trying to get your money back and make money off of this deal. Yeah, you're going to make money off of beer sales and everything else too, but you also have to sell X number of tickets. Although I will say, and for those that don't know, my girlfriend does work at the rave, so I hear a lot of stories about things like this, and she's always told me that as far as concerts go, especially when it comes to headliners, the big bucks are in alcohol sales. It is for, for sure. them about like, no hey, you know, people pay, you know, $50, $60 for whatever for a show. That's fine. But they're going to spend a lot more money than that, possibly even fueling themselves with drinks. And as we all know, go to a venue, those drinks are not cheap, but people still get them because you want to have a drink in your hand. You want to enjoy the night. So you're going to buy that drink if you're there. So, yeah, alcohol sales make up a huge cut of the revenue. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals live from the Lakeland University Studios offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Again, lakeland.edu slash get started. Earlier today, we had Tim Dillard uh, on the Wendy's Big Show, Valley Sports Wisconsin Brewers pre and post game host, game analyst when the rock is off. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Dim Tillard. Also, the Brewers Unfiltered Podcast. He, Adam McKelvey, and Brad Ford do a great job of each and every week. Download that on your Odyssey app uh, or go to Brewers.com. He came on, uh, and we asked him the question we asked leading up to him, uh, to most of you that got a ton of reaction. Should Brewers outfielder Tyrone Taylor be starting every day when everyone is healthy? And if so, for who? Well, that's a tough call. But at the same time, guys get banged up all the time. These things usually kind of work themselves out. But since he is, you know, quote-unquote, the platoon guy out there, 
generally those guys end up getting a lot of playing time, especially with the DH mixed in with the National League. There's a way to there's a way around that. Um, but yes, he does need to be in the lineup in some form or fashion. When a guy's red hot, um, you, you got to have him out there, especially against right-handed hitters. He's doing a great job. So yeah, to have him on the bench almost feels like a travesty at this point. Yeah, Tim Leroy Butler, because yeah, I think he played in 93 games. That's a lot of games, and you're right. As you mostly most time you are. Because when you're platooning like this, these guys do play a lot of games, man. You know, every now and then you're playing with some older guys in the um, outfield, so he's going to play. The reason why I liked him a few years ago is I liked his path. He was, I mean, drafted in 2012, and I think his debut didn't come to 2019. Guys like that, they're built for this. To one day you can play a couple games, and then the manager comes to you and say, man, you may not play for a couple games, and you got to be built for that. You learn that going through the minors as me. Steve talked about these guys don't make a lot of money in the minors. Uh, yeah, I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes you're playing for you're playing for coffee and insurance, right? So exactly. Uh, yeah, he he had you know an, an unconventional path where he just continued to play and play and finally got his shot. You know, and you're going to see less and less of that moving forward just because of the way they limited the draft and things like that. But for him, I mean, he he gets there and he keeps that humble approach. He goes out there and he's. If he's in the lineup, he's you know he's excited. But if he's not in the lineup, he's excited still because he knows he's going to get a chance to get in there, whatever that looks like. But he's, I've been high on him forever. We were first teammates in 2018. We were sharing you know locker space next to each other and just getting to see him prepare day in and day out. You just knew he was going to be a big leaguer. It was just a matter of time. But I think what we're starting to see is a guy coming into his own. Like some guys get better with age, and so now he has the opportunity and he knows how to prepare himself and he knows that. You know, I got to be good in short spurts because who knows when I'll see the field again. But he is taking advantage, and that's really the key to this whole game. When you get your shot, take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I'm also hoping Keston here could be one of those guys that, that can keep this up as well. But I want to talk about Ethan Small, of course. Him and Ashby, I mean, because you got to think about all these injuries now. Peralta, of course, we don't know when he's going to be back. But if you could see those two guys, you just move them right in. That's what the Brewers have always done. If a guy's hurt, now Woodruff is hurt. Ooh, shout out to Woodruff, by the way. I think his bobblehead is on the uh, this coming Sunday. Yeah, and he's on the I.L. Yeah, so. but I still That's want that, that bobblehead, though, because he'll be back at some point. When you talk about this pitching lineup and the bullpen and things of that nature, we had a matter of fact before you came on like an hour or two ago, we were talking about Hader and, you know, looking at all this, that's how good he's been. I mean, you have to get hooked. I mean, the pitching coach, a lot of credit for keeping these guys stable for a while. Yeah, we had Chris Hook on our uh, Brewers Unfiltered podcast. Nice. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sweet. And he, he kind of spoke to that a little bit. But what these guys are doing is, is unprecedented in a lot of ways. Josh Hader getting two saves on the same day um, and throwing 99. <laughs> you know, in the evening after throwing, you know, 97, 98 in the early day. So that's just, it's pretty rare. And what you're seeing from this team is just more and more rarity. Aaron Ashby is a, just a beast of a human. Uh, he goes out there and just runs through a lineup like it's nothing. And the only way to get to him is in the seventh inning when he goes back out for his seventh inning of work. And it's an opposite field ground ball single and two infield singles. That's what got him out of the game. You know, he was one pitch away from a double play to go seven innings. That, that kind of stuff right there uh, to do against any team, much less the Cubs, a high-profile Wrigley game, um, just shows that even though he's young, this guy has it. Well, and shout-out to Brad Boxberger for getting him out of that bases loaded jam with a strikeout and a double play, uh, and then oh, to come back and beautiful. pitch a second inning, too. Mm-hmm. Boxberger was huge last night for them. Well, you know, you go back to the first game, you got Devin Williams and and Josh Hader, and then it's like you knew Boxberger was going to have to play a key role going into the second game yep, if it's going to yep. stay close. And for him to come in, so here's the thing about relief pitchers. Like, you come into a situation like that, bases loaded, nobody out, your best case scenario is striking out the first guy. That is key. He does that. So then it's like, all right, if I can get a ball on the ground, we have a chance at a double play and getting out of this inning, and he does just that. So those are the most high-profile pitches thrown in the entire game. I mean, I mean, we're talking high heart rate. You know, you're doing all that. But then you go and sit down and have to come back out. Honestly, that is a tough inning as well. Not just because it's a close game, but because you just got your heart rate up. You just got excited. And then you sit down, and then you got to go and kind of kind of get to that peak again. It's really tough. If they had the luxury, they obviously would have gone to somebody else. They would have gone to Devin Williams in a you know perfect scenario. But Boxberger having to come back out the second inning was, to me, one of the biggest moments right after the, uh, obviously, bases loaded jam. Talking with Tim Dillard, Valley Sports, Wisconsin Brewers pre and post game host, game analyst when Rock is off. Follow him on Twitter at Dim Tillard. Newest uh, edition of Brewers Unfiltered podcast coming out this week. We'll talk about that uh, in just a couple of moments. You can find that at Brewers.com and on your Odyssey app. I, I, I want to go back to Hater, if you don't mind, real quick. How hard is it to do what he did? Because I believe mm-hmm. Jim Henderson was the last one who's now, of course, is on the Brewers coaching staff uh, to do it for the Brewers as far as coming back in, in multiple games and getting multiple saves. Because they always say that it's not necessarily the pitches, it's the get up, sit down that's always the toughest for a pitcher. 
Uh, well, you had a big get up, sit down for hours before he had to come back. How tough is that uh, on the the body, the arm, the whole deal, and then having to come back? Possibly, I'm assuming he probably won't pitch tonight since he pitched twice yesterday. Yeah, he he's you know pro- more likely down, but heck, who thought he was probably not going to come out for the second game <laughs> yesterday? Right. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he wouldn't be out there if he didn't say, "I want to be out there." Devin Williams threw three days in a row on the. Uh, beginning of the road trip to, to make up for a hater's absence at the time. And, you know, he wouldn't have been out there the third day had he not said, I want to be out there. If my situation comes up, I want to be out there. So hater wanted to be out there. It's not like he was thrown into the mix, but it's a tough gig. I've done it before, obviously at the minor league level and definitely less profile innings. You know, you may pitch the fifth one inning and then, you know, fast forward a few hours and you're pitching in the seventh. But, um, I, I will say this, for it to be a split doubleheader, it makes it a little bit easier. You're not just got 30 minutes in between, you get a hot dog, and then you're back out in the game. But <laughs> you, what you do is you completely hit the reset button, like on a Nintendo. You sit there and you go back to square run, one, shorts and t-shirt, you relax for a while, and then you start your routine as it was normal, like you didn't even play a game. Like you almost have to just completely erase everything and start from scratch in your preparation. And you, you don't come out and be that crisp and throw that hard and be that effective if you don't have some sort of plan in place. So kudos to Josh Hader to sit there and just mentally and physically get prepared to do that because that, like I said, is a pretty rare thing. What about Ethan Small in that first game, gets to the third inning, and simply couldn't spot his changeup. And once that occurred, it felt like it was all downhill from there in that inning. It was, and nobody was fishing at it. That was the problem. His changeup was effective early on because the fastball was good early on, and I think guys kind of just pegged him and said, you know what, we're not going to chase the changeup. We're going to wait on the fastball. And it was, it was really the walks, you know, and he had a chance uh, to kind of get out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, guys just started spitting on the changeup. And, you know, he's a young guy when, you know, coming up first time in the major leagues, like that right there, you know, maybe the adjustment will come quicker next time out. Uh, but for the, you know, big league hitters, once those guys see you a couple of times and they start talking, Hey, how's he getting you out? How's he pitching you? What's the formula? What's he doing? And when guys start talking a lot, they put together a plan and come out there and they, they make, you know, I'm going to do this and not do this. I'm not going to swing at that. That really was the key. But, man, I tell you what, it's good to see a lefty throw a 91, 93 and just being sneaky. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just good old-fashioned baseball. Yeah, the people love him down in Jacksonville. I want to ask you, before I ask you about Lauer, I want to talk about a guy that never gets the headline, on-base Jace. I mean, it just seemed like, he always give you one or two of those games, Tim. You say, man, this guy plays hard. I mean, he has power. You can play him anywhere, including manager. I mean, these are the type of guys that you build off of, especially when a team is going through some injuries. Well, I mean, honestly, it's funny you said he could be a manager. I mean, honestly, if you looked about anybody on the team, here's a guy that just, you feel like, sees it from all angles, plays all over the field, <laughs> yep. and he's just the and I describe him as he's the dirtiest car in the parking lot. Doesn't matter if you put him in the outfield, somehow <laughs> this guy has dirt marks like just everywhere. Like he's just gritty and he grinds out at bats. He sees over four pitches per at bat, so he's a pain for pitchers. But at the same time, when he gets hot, look out. Look out because he's not just hitting dinkers everywhere. He's hitting home runs. Home run yesterday was like four thirty two. I'm sure the wind helped a little bit, but he does have pop and you know, maybe you know, struggle sometimes being that every single day player because it does wear on you. But at the same time, it's hard to believe that this team could have as much success as it does without Jace Peterson. He's probably the, I mean, just the best all around gritty 
classic baseball player that every team needs. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.